0: helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. From climate change to COVID, we've been told to follow the science. Many people never consider that the science may be wrong. I'm not talking about being a little bit off, or including a slight error. But absolutely, horrendously, disastrously wrong. Let's face it, science has been a boon to society, a tremendous boon. However, should, we really should be asking ourselves, what happens when science goes bad? Hello there, everyday Americans, Paul Engle here with the Constitution Study, where we read instead of the Constitution, we teach the rising generation to be free. I am glad you joined me today. We're going to be talking about science. I like science. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit of politics, of course, probably a little bit of censorship. And the whole idea is when does the the quote-unquote scientists, the scientific studies, the The people who claim to represent science, what happens when they're so wrong it becomes dangerously disastrously evil. Now I'm going to go back quite a while. In fact, I'm going to go back all the way to 1973 and the Roe v. Wade case. yeah, the case where the court said, "Listen, uh, the science says we're not sure. The science says that you know as a as a uh, in the first trimester, it's not really a baby. It's it's just kind of a blob of tissue. And in the second trimester, it's a little bit more defined as a blob. And maybe in the third trimester, by the way, the court made up the whole idea of trimesters. That's, that's a court's creation. But that, you know, maybe, okay, then the state has a say in it. And of course, that led to, you know, and there were people who thought, hey, the court has opine. Well, actually, they said the court ruled, but the court, Supreme Court doesn't rule the court has opined and now the science is settled they thought that would deal with the uh uh they, they thought that would deal with the problem of the question of abortion didn't work out so well then we come to was it twenty twenty two and they said you know what the federal government has no say in this. Court said, we were, our predecessors were wrong. The Constitution does not give the court the authority to say anything about this, doesn't give the federal government any say, this really belongs to the states. Now, I, I kind of agree and disagree with that position on a couple of standpoints, because on the one hand, yeah, the, the, nothing in the Constitution gives the federal government authority to regulate any sort of health care, any medical procedures. But it does say that you cannot be deprived, that no person shall be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And uh, there's a person that loses their life in an abortion. Of course, then we get into the whole question of the definition of a person. And again, I go to the dictionary that says it's a human being with a spirit, a a body, and a spirit. So I'm kind of drifting aside here. A case out of the Supreme Court of Alabama, though. It brought to me an interesting state, an interesting observation. Now, let me give you a little bit of background. There were three Alabama couples that wanted to use a, a fertility. They used a fertility center, uh, the Center for Reproductive Medicine uh, in and the Mobile Infirmary Medical Center, and they had stored some eggs. They had frozen embryos, I should say. So they had created, uh, I'm guessing, through uh, uh, some sort of uh, in vitro fertilization. They frequently create more embryos than they actually need. It's a cost thing. So there were embryos that were being stored, frozen, uh, back in 2021. As I understand it, or at least according to AL.com, those embryos were destroyed by a hospital patient. I don't know if it was intentional. I don't know if it was accidental. What I do know is that there were embryos from these three children that were destroyed. They were killed. They were no longer viable. This is where the, the court comes in. Now, these three couples sued the hospital and the facility center um, for wrongful death. And the hospital and the fertility center saying, claimed that the, the couples could not sue them for wrongful death because a state the state laws regarding wrongful death did not cover embryos outside the mother's womb. We're getting real interesting because this is, they said, listen, if the embryos were in the mother's womb, sure, but these are outside of the mother's womb. Therefore, they're not covered by state laws that would uh, allow them to be charged with wrongful death this apparently led a mobile county a mobile county circuit judge jill parish phillips to dismiss the case back in 2022 but that apparently was appealed because it ended up in the alabama supreme court and the justices, um they said the wrongful death of a minor act which is the 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 basis for the for the the wrongful death of an embryo um applies to all unborn children, regardless of their location. Remember how I said it was important. They were the, the hospital and fertility centers say, saying the embryo was not in the womb, therefore it wasn't covered. The Supreme Court said, uh, no, it applies to all unborn children, regardless of their locations. Now, quoting from Justice Mitchell's uh, opinion of the court, the wrongful death of a minor act is sweeping and unqualified. It applies to all children, born and unborn, without limitation. It is not the role of this court to craft a new limitation based on our own view of what is or is not wise public policy. That is especially true where, as here, the people of this state have adopted a constitutional amendment directly aimed at stopping courts from excluding unborn life from legal protections. I like this opinion. I like this opinion not simply because I agree with the outcome. I like the way it's crafted. I said, listen, the, this act apparently, and I'm assuming in the, in the opinion they go into details, is, is sweeping. It is designed. The people have chosen that this act was to be pretty widespread and it was to cover born and unborn children without any limitations. That it was not the role of the court to create those limitations based on their belief of what is public policy. Their job is to apply the law. Is especially, the people of the state have adopted a constitutional amendment directly aimed at preventing courts from excluding unborn life from legal protection. That sounds to me like a pretty well authored uh, uh, opinion. Now, I don't have a copy of the opinion, so I haven't been able to go through and look at, at those at those details. But um, this is uh, to me, it's a it's a an opinion that looked at the science. We had it. We had the science that went wrong in in Roe v. Wade. We brought that back and said uh, the court, the Supreme Court, brought that back and said, "No, we're going to leave this to the states." And the state of Alabama said, "Listen, um, the courts, you cannot treat unborn life. You cannot exclude them from legal protections. We've created legal protections for the the uh, the the death of an unborn child, uh, including an embryo, and therefore you have to." Apply this. So here we see it, granted, it took 50 years almost, but we saw that um, the court started looking back at the science. Now, of course, the science is still abused in many states in this in this country. That refuses to recognize the definition of a person, that refuses to recognize that an abortion by definition takes the life of a of a human being, a person, granted. It is in utero, it's still in in the womb, but as the people of Alabama recognize, listen, just because you're in the womb doesn't mean you don't deserve protection. I wonder how many of the states are going to figure that out, or at least the people in the states are going to start figuring that out and maybe start changing their laws and their constitutions as well. The next article I have really is a, a question of the chicken and the egg. A statement designed to express the um, the difficulties in determining correlation versus causation. The article I saw came up on the Epic Times, covered a lot of things. It, there was a, a report from the Royal Society that claims even if CO2 emissions stopped completely, it would take thousands of years for the CO2 already in the atmosphere to return down to quote-unquote pre-industrial levels. Based on this, the, the what they were the, this Royal Society, which describes itself as a fellowship of many of the world's most eminent scientists, so that brings a question. Does that mean that that uh, those who've been saying, you know we've got short a short amount of time before we go past the point of no return? Um, well, that's what kind of what they're saying. According to the report, the current CO2-induced warming of Earth is therefore essentially irreversible on human timescales. There's a, a, a frequently asked questions page on NASA's website. They hold a very similar position, maybe not quite as extreme. It says that if we stopped emitting greenhouse gases today, the rise in global temperatures would begin to flatten within a few years. Temperatures would then plateau, but remain well elevated for many, many centuries. Sounds pretty dire. Now, this this is where we have to ask a question of of both correlation versus causation, but we get to the question of science. You see, there's a a scientist by the name of Edwin Berry. He's a a theoretical uh, physicist and a certified consulting meteorologist. And he called the Royal Society's position on CO2, quote, pure junk science. That's interesting. Because in his uh, studies, what he is saying is, CO2 does not cause global warming. Global warming causes more CO2. That's a very interesting question, because you're dealing with two different uh, positions here based on causation. Which one causes, which comes first, the CO2 or the global warming? Now, Ian Clark, who's professor emeritus at the Department of Earth and Environmental Sciences at the University of Ottawa, said that, guess what? He agreed, if all greenhouse gas emissions ceased today, the Earth would continue warming, but not because of CO2. Again, he said, contrary to popular opinion, temperature does not follow CO2. Instead, CO2 follows temperature, which which itself is due to solar activity. Now, where does Mr. Clark get this? Well, he is what's referred to as a paleoclimatologist. He studies climate conditions using indirect records, things like tree rings and and ice cores and other things to try and estimate what the weather was like uh, uh, in in previous generations, previous epochs. Um, He said, during the ice ages, we had great temperature variations, and this has to do with not straight up solar activity, but the amount of solar activity that is hitting the earth at certain important latitudes all caused by celestial events uh, he continued the earth in our solar system is moving around and being jostled and we have different orbiting patterns that affect solar input and that creates ice ages and interglacial periods which we are in now and co2 tracks that so we'll see enormous temperature changes going from ice age to interglacials And CO2 gets very low during ice ages and very high during interglacials. And that gives the appearance of CO2 driving the climate. But it's actually following. It lags by about 800 years. Now, the report goes into a lot of questions. The article does as well. So I'll put a link to the article uh, in the web page so you can read it. But to me, that brings an interesting question. Which group is right is it true that co2 follows temperature or is it true that temperature follows co2 because those positions by the way both supported by scientists well they require very different reactions it's an important distinction and unless and until we know the difference we're just guessing we're making guesses about the future And those guesses have tremendous impacts on our lives. Let's face it, this whole push for for solar and wind, uh, this whole uh, attack against fossil fuels, against uh, livestock, against all these things that we're told we have to, because if we don't reduce CO2, we are all going to die. Well, if CO2 follows temperature, we're going to kill ourselves. We're going to ruin our lives. For science, that's false. Notice, I didn't say it wasn't science. It is science, but it's false. It's the the, the hypothesis is is it being tested properly to um come to it's, it's come to the outcome. No, when they test it, does it prove the hypothesis? And as I've said, I've seen plenty of examples where the uh, the scientists, rather than than adjusting their hypothesis based on the test data they modify the test to get the hypothesis to get the support of the hypothesis they want that is when science goes bad when the outcome is more important than the data you're learning are you learning or are you reinforcing and bad science leads to very very bad outcomes for a lot of people then again bad science also tends to lead to very good outcomes for a very small number of people just look at uh al gore or or, um or john Kerry or anyone else who's made billions of dollars off of promoting the 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 climate change and they certainly don't live as if they believe climate change is the end of the world because well well they're still buying beachfront property when they say sea level is going to rise they still claim that uh, you know, airplanes are destroying the atmosphere, but uh, they still fly them. Now, I have to take a break. After which, I want to start talking about some COVID, so, some information about the so-called COVID vaccines, but I, let me take this break. Um, you know, when it comes to keeping well, making sure you have a good immune system is important. Now, one of the things I recommend is Immune Super Boost from HealthyCell.com. It includes over a dozen immune-supporting supplements, things designed to boost your immune system in a single travel-ready gel pack. It's easy to use. It's easy to take with you. I use it especially when I travel. And since you're an America Out Loud lister, guess what? You can get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell. Simply go to americaoutloud.shop to find out all the details. But if you're concerned about your health, if you're concerned about immunity... Please try the Immune Super Boots from Healthy Cell. I use it, my family uses it, and I believe it works really, really well and it's very easy and convenient to use. Find out how you get 25% off your first order from Healthy Cell by visiting americaoutloud.shop and then follow the instructions there.
1: Cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death and disability. Today's high-stress, on-the-go lifestyle makes it hard to stay heart-healthy. Lifestyle changes like exercise and diet are critical, but you can also support your heart with concentrated nutrients. HealthyCell Cell created heart and vascular health to support three aspects of heart health, cholesterol, blood pressure, and triglycerides, with CoQ10, vitamin K2, resveratrol, and soluble fiber. And Healthy Cell's not a pill, It's a patent-pending gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients. You would need to take 13 pills to get the same amount of nutrients in each gel pack. And these great-tasting gels come in a small packet. Tear off the top, shoot it down, or mix it in water. Get heart healthy. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. HealthyCell.com, code OUTLOUD for 25% off.
0: So stop being a patient and start being a student at EnergeticHealthInstitute.org. Welcome back everyday Americans who rejoined the Constitution Study. And today we're talking about when science goes bad. So much that the science goes bad. It's the scientists that go bad. I've been warning since 2020, since the beginning of COVID, actually since was it twenty twenty one when the uh the vaccines actually came out that um there's reason to be concerned now again i'm not a I'm not a doctor, I don't pretend to be one, I'm not a virologist but when you rush things, you know that's when bad things happen, and my concern was when Donald Trump talked about warp speed and, and getting the red tape out of the way how much more did they cut what uh what was in in cutting the red tape did they also cut the safety procedures and guess what they did we found out that uh pfizer never actually tested their alleged vaccine which by the way these mrna vaccines are not legally vaccines um they don't meet the legal definition of a vaccine but these these mrna drugs um they never tested them to see if they were effective so you're taking a drug that has had minimal, and I would say fraudulent testing for safety. Was never tested for uh, effectiveness, and was used. The quote-unquote science was used to promote uh, hundreds of millions of people being used as human guinea pigs. I remember it was Neil deGrasse Tyson saying the consensus of the science of the science is that these are safe and effective. They were wrong. And as I talked to doctors, as I read doctors, including gentlemen like uh, our own Peter McCullough, or uh, 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 the people who worked on these the mRNA uh, technology, I knew there was something going on. One of the areas I understood there was a problem were called these lipid nanoparticles. Now a new paper has come out by several of the Moderna scientists acknowledging that there is toxicity in the mRNA drugs and vaccines. But again, what you get for COVID-19 is not legally a vaccine. Now, both Moderna and Pfizer COVID-19 products use a modified messenger ribonucleic acid, or mRNA technology. Quoting from the uh, the, the paper, um, mRNA formulated with lipid nanoparticles is transformative technology, but avoiding unacceptable toxicity with mRNA drugs and vaccines presents challenges. Hmm. Now what are some of these challenges? Although the, remember the experts told the experts experts told us that the the mRNA shot that the the, the material would remain in the deltoid muscle, the the arm where, where you receive the injections, but see there's a little problem. see these these lipid nano nanopoli- uh, uh, par- particles, as I understand it from people who study this for a living, was actually developed intentionally to get cancer medications into the brain. It was designed to travel throughout the body to cross the blood brain barrier. So these parts, and by the way, they're also known to hang around for up to 60 days. The, the paper acknowledges that some of the side effects of these mRNA products include heart inflammation, severe allergic shock. In many cases, they believe uh triggered by these, na- these lipid nanoparticles. Now, why do I bring this to the fore? Well, not so much to say that I told you so, but Guess what? We were told the science, the consensus of the science, was that these, were, these, these drugs were safe and effective. And based on that, everyone from the President of the United States, the WHO, uh, uh, governors, city, uh, mayors, city officials, uh, uh, local health agencies, pushed the use of these products. Congress claimed to give them immunity from uh, from liability if these products were found to be bad. I say claim to because the law, the Prep Act that that Congress used, that part of the law is unconstitutional and therefore void because it denies you the right to petition your government for a redress of grievance. By the way, so does uh, I think it was a 1984 Act that Congress previously did involving the childhood vaccines. See, the science was not simply, oops, we got a little off. The science was wrong. The science missed it. And in fact, those who were warning about problems in the science, Dr. Peter Mercullo, uh Robert Sloan all of these other doctors that were pointing out the the great barrington declaration that there were problems this was not ready for human use that that it shouldn't be mandated they were all silenced they were called uh, uh opposed to science they were called vaccine deniers or, or you know vaccine they were called all sorts of names the only thing they weren't called scientists because they followed the scientific method. You have your hypothesis. You test it. You then look at the results of the test and based on that, modify your hypothesis. I said, this isn't being done. This isn't, th- th- this stuff is, is dangerous. Now, this paper, which was uh, published in the Nature Reviews Drug Discovery back in January 23rd of 2024, points this out that there's issues with this mRNA technology yet moderna and other companies plan to use this mrna technology in things like the flu vaccine in in, in cancer treatments in other things even though they know there's a danger now i'm less concerned about the about the fact that they're they're still using this you know part of me looks at this and said there's a cost-benefit analysis. I think using them for the flu, uh, unless you are unless you're dying from the flu, not a good risk. If you're dying from cancer, and if you're, you're going to die from cancer in six months, and this stuff's going to kill you in ten years, maybe that's a uh, that's an acceptable risk factor. But what about the rest of us? What about those of us who say no? Um, I'm healthy. I don't, I don't, I'd like, you know, again, I'm not one for the flu shot. I've never gotten a flu shot. Maybe you are. Maybe you're out there and you want your flu shot. And you've gotten your flu shot for years and years and years. And now they're going to introduce a new risky technology into the flu shot you have trusted for years. You still going to get the flu shot? Are they going to warn you? About the dangers of this new technology, are they going to offer you variations of the flu shot? Or are they simply going to push this dangerous technology, this questionable and prob- possibly dangerous technology, a- as if there were no problems here? Because guess what? If they get a, 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 if they get protection from the federal government? Why would they not? There's no risk to to Moderna, as long as Moderna is covered by the the this this false immunity. Where's the risk to them? They can make billions of dollars off of this technology. If they don't have a uh, if if they're never held accountable for the dangers, for the fact that the testing, the the testing. I mean, the Moderna uh, and Pfizer drugs first came out. They had tests with uh, you know a few dozen subjects, a few dozen, on a brand new technology and And here's the other cute one they said uh, uh, they didn't count if you got a shot, I remember this one. if you got one of the shots and you had a complication from the shot within the first two weeks, they said it wasn't the shot. All right, that's the antithesis of science. If you get a shot and you have a reaction. That's most likely the shot. Not definitively, but most likely the shot. But you see, oh, you see, well, it doesn't really matter because you're not really, uh, uh, you're not really uh, protected yet because it takes two weeks for this stuff to all work in the body. How many people have died because the science was wrong? Or the people who were claiming the sci- they had the, the mantle of the science were wrong? Because Dr. Fauci claimed that he was the science was wrong. There's a lot that uh, I think history may have a say about that, but the question is will you survive until it comes about? Okay, let's shift gears just a little bit. Let's talk not about when the science goes bad, but when the law goes bad. Uh, of course, we, we talk here a lot about bad laws and, and the misuse of laws. And well, I talked the other day about uh, the, the the judgment against Donald Trump, where he was he and his organization um, was supposed to pay. They're supposed to pay three hundred and some odd, three hundred thirty-five million dollars in damages when no one was damaged. I'm going to say that again. He was ordered to pay. He and his organization to pay three hundred thirty-five million dollars in damages when nobody was damaged. The banks did their... He's he's accused of falsifying information on a, uh, a loan application. A loan application that was reviewed by the bank. A bank that did its own due diligence. A bank that said, you know what, we'll lend this man the money. And not only did he pay them back, he paid them back with interest, which means the bank made money and he's supposed to pay damages. To who? Well, there's been an interesting twist in this particular saga. That actually comes because a lot of business people in New York are now really concerned. I mean, let's face it: if you're a business person, especially say in real estate, and you have to borrow millions of dollars to get your projects done, and now you find out you could be held for damages when you nobody was damaged, that's making a lot of people a bit nervous. And in comes the uh, the the response of Governor uh, Hochul. The law-abiding and rule-following New Yorkers who are business people have nothing to worry about because uh, they're very different than Donald Trump and his behavior. You mean, if you actually take out a loan and pay it off, you're in trouble? But if you don't, then you're safe? I mean, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, but this is pretty much the example of prosecutorial abuse, of judicial malfeasance. Now listen, if they thought they had a case that Donald Trump as I understand it, they claim that he uh, exaggerated the value of property he owned. I've heard a lot of people say, well, you know, they do it all the time. You're 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 going to put the best spin on on everything you have. You want to you're going to show it as the, the most value that you legally can. But again, where's the where are the damages? If you're go you if you're going after Mr. Trump because you don't like him, that's not the law. That's a political vendetta. And now you have Governor Hochul saying, "Well, see, Donald Trump is his 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 different. Why is he different? Is it because he's a a leading uh, Republican candidate for president? Is it because he instituted policies that?" That you don't like. What makes him different? Why are you targeting Mr. Trump? Now, I get a lot. Of, I get it, a lot of people viscerally hate Mr. Trump. I I had a, a, a an online exchange with someone who claimed all sorts of evil things, and when I asked for any evidence of what he said was true, well, suddenly it was just his opinion. But you see, the law is not supposed to be about opinions. It's supposed to be about the law. There should be rules. And if you follow the rules, you're safe. And if you break the rules, you're found guilty. But what, what happens when it appears that those who are supposed to decide cases on the law are the ones actually breaking the law? Now, Again, I wasn't there during the case. There may be information I'm not uh, aware of. But this certainly looks like a case of the law going bad especially when you put this case alongside the other cases that magically popped up as pretty much as soon as Mr. Trump said he'd be running for office in 2024. And when you look at those cases that have about as much basis in the law as uh, a can of dog food has basis in fine French cuisine. Again, this looks to me more like an attempt to censor mr trump than it is to actually protect somebody because again according to this case nobody was harmed well i guess the only people that were harmed were the people that were afraid that donald trump may win in in 20 later this year and of course this is not the only example of censorship this is merely one of many but before i get into those i have to take a break now, I hope you'll check out the website, constitutionstudy.com. You can find out more about the work that we're doing here. You can ask a question. I'm always looking for questions to answer on the radio. Um, if you want to ask questions and you don't want me answering on the radio, I'll be happy to do that too. I've had several people ask me not to uh, discuss their situations on the radio, and I, I honor those requests. Um, you can also sign up for one of the mailing lists. You can check out our Patriots program where we're helping people Learn to defend and assert their rights and not only their rights, but the rights of their neighbors. Find all the details there at the website Constitutionstudy.com. Now while you're at it, if you're looking for a place to find news and information, might I suggest Americaoutloud.news? I go there every day. I get their feeds every day looking for, well, content for the radio program, for my website, or just information that I find useful, or that I, my friends might find interesting. The important thing about this is that we don't keep this information to ourselves. It's important, more important than ever, that we share with friends, with family, that we share it on social media. We share it wherever we can. So I'm going to ask you to do your part. Find a story or an article that you find extremely important or or touches some topic that really matters to you. Maybe a podcast or a video that explains a topic better than you ever heard before. Take that and share it. So I frequently say, knowledge is not power until put into action. And for too many years, the American people have been, well, they've been complaining about what's going on. They've been collecting knowledge, but they have not put it into action. They've not turned that knowledge into power. And you can help. See, it doesn't really even matter how many followers you got. Share this information among friends, family, and social media. It is the act of sharing that will help secure the blessings of liberty for all of us.
1: Now, George Washington once encouraged us to animate and encourage each other and show the whole world that a free man contending for liberty on his own ground, is superior to any slavish mercenary on earth. That's exactly what we do, as you'll see, when you visit AmericaOutloud.news. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Outlaw Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the CofixRx banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order That's right, americaoutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works.
0: The buildup of spike proteins is dangerous
1: to your health. Global Healing's Foreign Protein Cleanse detoxes your body, removing the spike proteins, allowing your body to repair from within. Formulated by Dr. Edward Group and by Dr. Brian Artis, foreign protein cleanse targets and detoxes spike proteins in the body. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally.
0: Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. Today, we've been talking about when science goes bad. We're starting to talk about what happens when, when the law goes bad, when uh, the laws that are designed to protect us are actually used to harm us. And I started talking about the, uh, uh, the Trump case where, you know, he's being asked to pay hundreds of millions of dollars in damages when nobody was damaged. And the whole idea behind uh, uh, Kathy Hochul's, governor of New York's statement that, hey, you don't have to worry about it. You're not Donald Trump. Don't worry that we're going to do this to you because, well, you're not Donald Trump, which is really an abuse of the law. But one of the abuses we've seen a lot of lately revolves around this idea of censorship. And censorship can take many forms. I mentioned that uh, I believe the the lawfare against Mr. Trump is partially about censorship, censoring his his, his ability to communicate and thereby um, to win an election. But I want to focus on something different now, a different focus on censorship. For example, um, how many of you have heard of uh, Missouri v. Biden? It's the censorship case that uh, the state of Missouri has brought, actually both Missouri and Louisiana brought, against the Biden administration. For coercing, uh, social media companies into censoring their content, and it's been heard of, and I've talked about it, and I've been keeping an eye on it. Well, there was a new case that's now related to it, and this was actually Kennedy v. Biden. The Kennedy is is Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, He's paired up with the Children's Health Defense, and uh, he's also sued the Biden administration. In fact, these two cases were apparently joined at the district level. And um, at least in the case of Kennedy, Judge Doherty from the U.S. District Court for Western District of of Louisiana has issued a preliminary injunction specifically to prevent high-ranking officials within the Biden administration from coercing or influencing social media companies to suppress content that is protected under free speech laws. Now, this is interesting because remember, the Missouri case originally had a preliminary injunction, I believe. There was an injunction against such things. It got weeded down. It got whittled down over time. But the idea of, the, of saying there were certain people within or certain agencies within the, um, within the administration that were not allowed to influence social media. Now, again, to me, this is very interesting because it's the whole idea of... of, It's the foundation of censorship. It's the idea of there's information I don't want someone else to hear about. Now, listen, we've all got things we don't want other people to to hear about us. Um, Secrets we don't want told, things we don't want known about us. It's natural to want to suppress that type of information. The problem is... Again, you're talking about freedom of speech, and especially when it's a government actor. When a government actor says, don't say that or devalue that, de-boost it, uh, make it harder for people to find, generally it's because it's, it's not something people, they want to hear. We saw it around COVID. We've seen it around the election and, and uh, um, suppressing information about um, the Hunter Biden laptop uh, we even see it where people attempt to suppress COVID, right? And sometimes it's um, social media platforms um, removing, deboosting, deplatforming, whatever term you want, content like that. Um, I believe that uh, although Facebook would never tell me exactly what I did that grant, uh, drew their ire, they kicked me off the platform. About the time I was talking about how the president gets elected in 2020, so um, you know, there's a there's a lot there. There's a lot going on around there, uh, and to have this injunction, on the one hand, it's a good thing. Right, I, I like the injunction. It does kind of lead to me that uh, um, J- uh, Judge Doherty uh, may Doty may may think that uh, uh, Mr. Kennedy and and the Children's Health Defense have have a case, but Apparently, it's kind of on hold until the Supreme Court gets done with, uh, uh, with the other case. The uh, was it Murphy versus Missouri? I think is one. Uh, you've also got Missouri v. Biden. These cases are still being litigated. And it's uh, um, yes, we see the people trying to use the law to suppress that information, but we also see people that are pushing back. And I want to, you know, again, I, I know a lot of people attribute it to um, Bonhoeffer, although I've yet to see proof of that. But the idea is true. What it takes for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. And I think that's an attitude that that we, those of us who are interested in freedom and liberty must divest ourselves of. The idea that we can do nothing, therefore we should do nothing. That's how evil flourishes. We must remember that um, we need to stand even if we don't win, even if we're not sure, we still need to stand. So let's take a look at another example. Now probably by now you've all heard of the uh, the her report. Um the the report that said, yeah, Biden knowingly um mishandled classified documents. He shared classified information with his ghostwriter. Um, but yeah, well, we're not going to recommend charges because any jury would see him as a doddering old fool and probably would not uh uh would not find him guilty in such a case. Now, part of me understands, you know, why I go through all the work and all that. Is there a better case that people could make? It's a better way for the D- department of justice to spend their time and money. I also look at it as a bit of a cop out, right? To say, Yes, you knowingly did this and and you were criminally active when you did it. But now that you're just kind of an old fool that can't figure out, you know, what day of the week it is, we're not going to prosecute you. And which kind of leads me into an interesting dilemma. Okay, is is uh, Joe Biden, a doddering old fool, not uh, uh, accountable for his actions? Well, then how could he be president of the United States? If he's capable of being president of the United States, why is he not able to be held accountable for his actions before he was president of the United States. And if he's not capable of being, pre- uh, being uh, uh, held accountable to his actions before he was, he was president, why is he still president? But again, here's what we're seeing is the legal system. It's manipulated. It's, it's, they've kind of gotten the, uh, uh, I don't know if you call it the best of both worlds, but you certainly have this, um, hey, you know, we've got... Um, you know he's old and doddering, so we can't prosecute him. So we're going to let him get away with with a crime. Um, I'm not sure I like that. I'm not sure I like the way that came about. Not simply because of um, because of Joe Biden, but because it's it's using the the legal system for a political end. And what happens if the legal system goes bad, especially with the evidence we have? of the legal system, the, ju- the so-called justice system, being used against political opponents. I'm not just talking Donald Trump. And I'm not even talking his associates. Uh, look at the number of pro-life activists that have been arrested, not because, even though the the state and the cities where they were protesting said they did nothing wrong, the federal government said, no, but it's a crime for you to stand outside a... Um, a an abortion center even though the law says is you know you can't interfere no we don't care just showing up that's interfering or or we're going to start we're going to put you on a on a on a watch list if uh you were in DC on January 6 2001 if you flew into the area we've put you on a on a on a on a list and we're going to watch you because you were there See, this is the law going bad. Now, a lot of people say, well, what are you going to do? They've got the law on their side. Well, part of it is pointing out when the law has gone bad and not simply saying, well, you know, this is evil or this is, no, facts and details. Again, I was having this conversation with some comments on on one of the social media platforms where they were saying, you know, yeah, the, the attorneys and the judges Aren't holding things up But then again we're not bringing Constitutionally sound arguments How often here have I talked about A case where the, uh, um, the, the purpose was right But the argument was terrible How often Is the first amendment used for something That's not a first amendment issue How, how often do we see Arguments made that are not based On the supreme law of the land When they really, or they really should be that's why I said, you know, you can't depend on attorneys to defend your rights. They're not prepared to defend your rights protected by the Constitution because they don't teach it in law school. They're not taught what the Constitution says. They're not encouraged to read it and study it and learn how to, how to use it. So what we have here is um, a, a report. Again, the Ben Hur, the report from, from uh, Robert Hur, not Ben Hur, Robert Her. Um, it is an example of, uh, I, I believe, the law going bad because you've taken the law and uh, put the government and the American people in a situation where they can't win. They, they, they can't say, uh, yeah, it looks like Joe Biden committed this crime, therefore he should be charged and a a... Trial with a jury of his peers should be the ones deciding it. That's been taken away by Robert Hur. On the other hand, you have this idea that Donald Trump is innocent of of these charges. That's been taken away by Robert Hur, saying we're not charging him not because he's not guilty, but because he's a doddering old fool. That to me is a bad outcome either way. I know some people like it, some people dislike it, but to me. Either way, what you're dealing with is a a a bad situation. And then I want to head off to Colorado before we finish up. Uh, Colorado, there, there's a, a a bill apparently in Colorado. Uh, I believe it's it, it 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 would allow the attorney general to study online disinformation. They're going to put up one hundred and fifty thousand dollars for the Colorado attorney general to study online disinformation and misinformation now uh, senate bill 084 was approved by the senate judiciary committee uh, passed on a three to two vote and it mandates the attorney general to develop initiatives encouraging a respectful engagement while researching web-based information dissemination practices The problem with this, and the problem whenever government gets in the business of uh, of identifying and potentially uh, punishing disinformation and misinformation, is who defines what is disinformation? One person's disinformation is the other person's tried and true fact. Perfect example. Um, You know, it was it was disinformation that there were any significant uh, uh, problems for the 2020 election. There was no fraud. There were no problems. It was the most secure election ever. And anything else is disinformation until we've had multiple court cases finding that that, there were problems in the election. We had video of vote counters being hidden so that they could not be observed by poll watchers. We have a poll stating that, hey, you know, if the social media had not interfered with the dissemination of certain information, the outcome of the election may have been very different. It was disinformation to, to be concerned about the safety of the supposed uh, um, uh, COVID-19 vaccines. until And even today, when there's proof that there are concerns, it's still considered disinformation by some. The very idea that um, the government wants to use law to authorize themselves to determine what is and isn't true, we've entered the, the, the dystopia of 1984. You've got real speak, you've got true speak, you've got you've got language being manipulated, and with all the evidence that have been popping up showing that what's disinformation one day becomes a fact a few months later, the very idea that Colorado wants the attorney general to study. This um, should bring into question to every Coloradan. How free is your free speech if your attorney general is setting standards for what will and will not be considered true? Again, this is not a First Amendment issue. This is an issue based on the, the Constitution of Colorado, but it still is an attack on free speech. It is potentially, and let's face it, 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 somebody will figure out a way to use this to their own advancement. Because we're dealing with politics, and politics are in full of politicians. And what's the one thing we know about politicians? It's how to tell when they're lying. That is, their lips are moving. So whether it's information about the sciences, about a global warming, about climate change, about COVID, about the vaccines. Or it's information around politics and the use of laws uh, uh, to, to attack your political opponents. These are very di- difficult times. These are very dangerous times. And no one knows the future. But I go back to that statement. All it takes for evil to flourish is for good men to do nothing. See, we usually think we can't do anything because we, see, we cannot see the, the trees that are in the forest. We think we have to fix Washington, D.C. You don't have to fix Washington, D.C. You don't even have to fix your state house. You know what you got to fix? You got to fix your family, your city, your town, your county. Fix those. I know that's not going to fix the whole problem. That's my point. You don't have to fix the whole thing. Fix those. Because if you fix your town and county, and I fix my town and county, and other people fix their town and county, the states start changing. And once the states change, D.C. doesn't matter anymore. The beauty of the system that was created by our framers is the, uh, the, you are most powerful where you are closest to government, and that is the government that has the most power over your life. Take control of that, and the power will, will bleed into the other areas to protect your life and your future. Now, I'm hoping you'll come back and join us here for the Constitution Study. We're heard every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard on the iHeartRadio network. All the episodes, by the way, also go to podcasts, generally a day or two after they're heard on talk radio. And you can listen in your favorite podcast app. But do me a favor, subscribe to the show. Even if if you listen live, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, leave the episode's ratings and reviews. It helps other people find the Constitution study as well. And I don't know about you, but I think that'd be a very good thing. Now, you can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But again, this information is not powerful. This knowledge is not powerful until you use it. So I'm going to ask you to share those links, share the stories, share the podcast, share it all. By doing so, you are sharing the blessings of liberty with all of us.